talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Welcome to the Dropped Kickoff for another week. My name is Nick Wasiliev, and I'm delighted to have your company this evening on a very rainy, dreary Sydney Wednesday evening in Sydney. Um, I'm joined today by Nathan Williamson. Uh, Nathan, how are you doing there, mate? I'm going good. We're just starting into the rhythm of the Super Rugby Pacific season. It's looking quite good at the moment. I'm really, really happy where everything's placed. Yeah, it's nice to have rugby back. I remember we were talking about uh, we were talking about this beforehand when we did our kind of rugby resolutions pod um, with uh, with Jacko a few weeks back. And it's it's so nice to just see rugby back on a week-in, week-out basis. Like, you got six or seven games all within a reasonable time frame all together. And, uh, God, I'm loving it. It's so nice to see uh, – it's so nice to have rugby back. I appreciate it very much. I expect, though, it's keeping you very busy at HQ. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's It never stops. Plus, I mean – it just keeps going. We've got Super W starting this week as well, which is going to be great. You know, Fijiano being added, that's going to be an awesome addition. Then we get Club Rugby back in April. Like, it's really starting to feel like rugby season now. And, you know, it's busy, but, yeah, you got to love it. It's exciting stuff. You do, you do. So let's dive in. It's just the two of us this week. Uh, it's busy times for all uh, for all of us folks uh, in, in the Gagan News chat. But uh, we have been catching a lot of rugby and we have our five burning questions, uh, stealing the Green and Gold Rugby podcast format yet again. Question one. <laughs> uh, let's have a recap of the first two weeks. So uh, we've got, the first two weeks have come and gone. It's uh, It's been a fascinating opening couple of weeks. Everyone has played, obviously, bar Moana Pacifica, but fortunately that is now going to end with them officially announcing their first squad this afternoon to play the Crusaders uh, this coming week, uh, this coming round. Um, Super Rugby, who has impressed us and who has not impressed us in the opening uh, fortnight of competition? Question two, there's been a whole bunch of talk about kind of wallaby bolters and uh, the whole argument that erupted uh, between Michael Checker and Tim Horan. Uh, we're going to have a discussion about that. Where does that all lie? Question three, as Nath mentioned, Super W is kicking off. We've got uh, the first round coming. We have, as mentioned, the Fijiana joining the competition, becoming a six-team competition kicking off uh, this weekend. Uh, what are our thoughts on that? We're going to do a little preview on that. Question four, uh, we can't do a proper podcast without me talking about Australian rugby's third tier, it seems. Uh, but there was a very interesting article that came out uh, courtesy of Wayne Smith uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald talking about kind of uh, how the lack of NRC competition uh, might come back to bite the Australian teams when they play Super Rugby, when they play the Kiwi sides uh, later in the competition. Uh, so we, I ended up doing a bit of a rant about that on Twitter, which actually got a, a little bit of traction. So we're going to have a little bit of a chat about that. I mean, and there was an essay. Well, let's, let's put it for what it was. <laughs> it, was, you, you, it, was it, it got turned to turn it in. It was about 15% plagiarism. Like, you know, it was a, it was a sol solid, <laughs> solid recap that we'll get into later on. Mate, it's it's journalism in a nutshell. It's it's always at least fifteen percent plagiarism. Um, <laughs> it's, it's such is life. Yeah. And and then lastly, question five, we will dive into the forthcoming week of Super Rugby and uh, put forward our predictions and thoughts. We'll also do a sneaky prediction of our Super W uh, our Super W picks as well for their opening round. 
But right, question one. Let's let's have a look at this. Let's talk about Super Rugby Pacific because uh, it's uh, it's been interesting. It's been interesting coming returning to this traditional this traditional quote unquote format. So we haven't seen it in a while of twelve teams in a round robin competition. Nathan, I know that you normally are in rugby.com.au land uh, uh, and you, you go to game after game after game every weekend, but purely talking about thinking, looking at this as a fan, rather, um, have you been enjoying it? Has it impressed you? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think the format of, I know it wasn't sort of initially by design, but starting with the Australian teams and having those derbies, I think it's something we need to explore heading forward to start off. I think that's been a really good addition. Uh, a lot of close games, a lot of ex- exciting ones. I mean, that Brummies and Force one from round one, the Blues and Hurricanes from round two, both terrific games that ended basically on the siren. Um, inclusion of Fiji and Jura, like I know they haven't sort of hit their strides yet, but just the style of rugby that they play, it's it's what we want in Super Rugby. And I'm, I'm sure Mind Pacific is probably going to offer something similar. And I mean, yeah, it's it's been good. And I mean, you look, look at this ladder. I know it's only early, but... The top five, four of the teams are Australian. So, like, that's from an Australian point of view, we couldn't ask for we couldn't ask for much more. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously you've got to be you've got to take into consideration, uh, you know, the fact that Moana Pacifica hasn't played, so the Kiwi teams haven't had as, as much of a chance to 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 climb up the ladder. But you know, in saying that, I think it's been it's been the, what's been interesting to me is that at least those four of the five teams, those four, those four. Teams, the Brumbies, the Reds, the Tars, the Force. What's been impressive is that they're playing really positive rugby. The games, Absol- have, yeah, absolutely. They've been playing real. Like I, I, I mean, I've I've been lucky enough to go to both of those Waratahs games. Um, and I mean, I mean, the Tars for for uh, I can only speak on you know more explicitly, but they look light years away from where they were last year. Um, it looks like that you know that the the Adding of DC of Darren Coleman into the ranks has really helped them out, and and it looks like their recruiting has been has been relatively has been quite strong as well. They just look a completely different side, just playing so much more positively. Um, it's it's not only that I think like because they had that in them last year, like they you, they put what forty eight points on the Hurricanes or something like that. I think they ended up scoring the most points out of the Australian teams against the Kiwis. It's the sense for me, like. Looking mm. at this, I know it's only early on, but you look at the stats. Averaging 12 missed tackles a game, second highest in the comp. Turnovers conceded, 11.5, third best in the comp. Like, it's a team that's, that's oh yeah, line breaks, 5.5 mm. on average, third best in the comp. It's that side that has that's found that balance. And, you know, if, if only someone had said in, you know, a prediction video that this Waratahs team wasn't as bad as everyone was letting on, I wonder who would have said that. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, that's coming to my mind. Like, this, this, look, this was a team that was just missing that defensive, in my book, was always just missing that defensive element and those one or two key players. Um, I think having Jason Gilmore being able to focus just on defense and not being thrown into a co-coach role, <laughs> yeah. like, that, that, I think he's been able to sort of instill his systems and you really have this side that's gone through hell and it's come out better for it. You then add to that squad someone like a Jed Holloway, who I think is has been probably one of the more underrated signings within Super Rugby. Jeff Cridge as well, I thought has been great. It's a shame that he's out this week. And then mm. you just you just have those like those little pieces develop. You have, you know, Will Harris has taken the next step. 
I think Harry Johnson Holmes playing out of position at tight head has been great. Dave Parecki, these guys stepping up and seeming actually seeing them take that next step as as opposed to being just these prospects that we think, well, you know, they could develop, they could be these things if they do this and this. That's what's excited me about the Waratahs. Yeah, it's, it, it is interesting you mentioned. I think I can't remember who the I was chatting with the with the pick and tri, uh, drive rugby boys. I was lucky enough to catch up with them uh, when we were at the Waratahs Reds game. Uh, I was on the hill, and first of all, that was amazing. Just being in the mud and the dirt, um, and being completely covered, completely soaked from head to toe, and watching rugby at Leichhardt just felt so unbelievably old school, and just. Right back, it just took me back. Right back, like roots. Like it, it was better you, watching you, you get, getting absolutely murdered from the press box. But yeah, you know, no, I, I could see. I, I knew you and Jacko were up. You and Jacko were up in the press box, and I was like, "You bastards!" But <laughs> we've it was, it was touch. really nice and warm up there, I must say. But it, uh, it, it wasn't. It, <laughs> but yeah, they they talked about. I think they talked with one of the players. It might have been Parecki uh, in, in as part of their podcast. And apparently they asked, well, what, what's going on here? Because it looks like you've turned a corner. And they, the player said that, you know, we think it was just the approach of coaching. Last year they were often told, hey, you're making small positive te- steps forward. Apparently the big difference with, D, with DC, he just tells them, he doesn't bullshit them. Hmm. He just says, you know, you played like crap if you played like crap. And it's calls not- it like it is um, and gives them, you know, a bit of concrete when they need it. Um and you can see that. You can see that they're backing themselves a bit more. I mean, I was impressed by that Drua performance, but, I mean, we'll get into the Drua in a minute. But I think I was more impressed by that performance against the Reds, uh, considering, even though I think it was a game they should have won, considering the amount of possession they had, the amount of uh, defensive t- uh, pressure they had to put on the Reds, how, how much tackling the Reds had to do. Um, um, like, it was a game that they should have won, uh, in all <laughs> honesty. But... Light years away from the 30-point drubbing they received last year. Light years away. Um, Absolutely. I, th- I think getting back – I think that's a great point. Also, yeah, shout-out to the pick-and-drive guys there. I met him in the press conference afterwards. Absolutely lovely. Um, just – it's – I think it's the point Ben Badger made when the whole Donaldson arg- v. Edmund argument came up about these – this golden generation of junior wallabies coming in and basically – no, his argument was they don't ha- they didn't have to fight for a position they were just handpicked and put into it. It really seems like Coleman's got a hold of that group of players and kind of kind of said, particularly from Waratahs, and said to someone like like a Will Harris, well, you know, you're at this age where you've got to you've got to be developing. We're not going to be saying you know you're doing positive stuff and taking positive steps. We actually have to say it. But I mean, getting getting to that Reds game, I like it was a great performance for the Waratahs, but what a press. Impressed me more was the, the ability of the Reds to find a way to win. Yeah, and that's what that's what champ, that's generally what we need teams to be doing in Super Super Rugby Pacific. It sounds so basic, but when you're not playing at 100, percent you have setbacks with you know. I think they lost three captains during the game. In you lose sorry Mick so right before the game, um, McDermott before halftime, Scott Young after, and then. They I lost Tupo as well before the before the game as well. Like like fifteen minutes beforehand, he had a back he had a back uh, issue with his back. Um, they found a way to win. Yeah, that's they did. The, it's the same as the Brumbies as well. I don't think the Reds and Brumbies, and I think and their coaches have flat out come and admitted they've not played a game at one hundred percent yet. Yet they've come away with two pretty good victories. Yeah, they have. Yeah, 
Like exactly. that's exciting. That's yeah, really is. exciting to see. Yeah, it's and I think here's I think you know that's the the real positive in terms of things that have impressed us is that at least four out of the five Aussie teams are regardless of the of the opposition. Um, I think obviously when we have when you know you see all the Kiwi all the Kiwi fans jumping on and and saying oh yeah but wait until they come up against the Kiwi sides, I mean even then I still feel like they're going to do better this year than they did last year just be purely on the fact that you can tell they are playing much more positive rugby, much more positive rugby. Um, as I think mentioned- all, there's also a fact there just just on the Kiwi side interrupt. I think people kind of underestimate how much the final took out of both of our strong teams. Like, we, yeah. don't, have, let's face it, we don't have the depth that New Zealand have. Yes, like, we don't. Our, our two big teams were the Reds and the Brumbies last year. Both teams, I, I know the Reds have, have admitted it, the Brumbies probably won't, but, like, it's going to be hard <laughs> for you not to peak for that game. Like, that yeah. was a perfect storm came together that night in Brisbane. It was, it's impossible not to pe- essentially peak right at that moment. And... Both teams put out weaker sides around one and round two. Yeah, they they, they just copped an absolute, absolute awful draw. Having a go, I think Brumbies copped Crusaders, the Reds copped the Highlanders on a Friday, like six days after a grand final win. Three days after they'd stopped partying, like <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, they probably were still hungover. <laughs> we're, we're surprised when they didn't match up. It's like now, now we have a proper Pacific comp. I think we're going to be a lot better. Yeah. Positioned, I think. Yeah, and the fourth team we haven't mentioned is the Force. Who yes, we have. We have not mentioned the Force. Last year, were a kick away from beating the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. out to row runners up, and they look like they've taken the next step with Pasatoa and you know um, Metelli and Pulu on the wing look awesome. Isaac yeah. Rodder, my my goodness, um, just I'm so glad he signed past the World Cup. Fergus Lee yeah. Warner. He's a guy I've been so high on for the for like the past twelve months, and mm. he's finally getting that recognition because he's j- he just does everything. Like, yeah, they're yeah. they're just a really exciting, really good team this year. The Force, God, they that? are. It's yeah, like I I'm really loving the look of the Force. Really am. Like, there is actually so many solid. Like, do you know what is particularly interesting about the Force is that there's real depth. There's depth to that side a lot. Um. Mm. Like just looking at like we we've I mean we've looked at you know we've talked about the loose forwards their loose forwards are solid like you got Tim Ancy who I think is just he is he is developing into such an incredible player and then of course you know your Kane Katekas your Fergus Lee Warner as you talked about like the scrum half position like they've got Isaac Fiennes, Lilisa and you know Ian Pryor as well just there is there is so much that I, to like about that squad. There is, and, and on top of it, just again playing really positive rugby, playing hmm. really positive rugby. You don't, you don't go and nearly beat the Brumbies in Canberra. It doesn't happen very often. Um, not to, you know, blow a trumpet as the as the standard Brumbies fan, but um, but you know, even Kiwis team struggled to win there uh, last year. Um, a couple of a couple of them actually lost. So no, you know, Hurricanes, yeah, Hurricanes lost there last year. So it, it's. To take to be in the in the running and actually you know be only to to go out in the last like minute or so is incredible, and then to back it up with that performance against the Rebels, um, an absolute proper demolition at Amy Park. Uh, positive rugby, 
that's all we ask for. Win, lose, or draw. Uh, a game, a style that just you know makes you really enjoy uh, the it's it, watching the rugby, regardless of the of the result, is a pleasure. That's what you want. You can't Absolutely. ask for much more. You can't ask for much more. Um, so yeah, I think I think we're both in agreement. In a nutshell, performance of Brumbies, Reds, Tars, and Force, just with the style of rugby they're playing, has been amazing. And that's. Yeah. No slouch on the Kiwi teams either. I feel like we haven't even touched on them. I think the Crusaders, of course, you know, they're the Crusaders. They're, and the fact that they're coming second as well is is really good uh, and playing well. I think. I mean, I think the Hurricanes have. I mean, they, yes, they they went down, but that that performance against the Blues was amazing. Um, to to come from you know a couple you know less than five minutes to go and and somehow win that that game on the weekend that is a proper classic. Um, it, there is. I mean, obviously, then you need you need more games. They need more games under their belt, considering you know, but two of their teams have missed out. But you know, things are looking good. But hmm. let's talk about uh, what has not impressed us so far, and let's talk about the elephant in the room on the Australian side of things. Let's talk about the Rebels first. Um, where to start? I think. <laughs> oh, God, if I, if only we had Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. Dylan was supposed to, yeah. Look, Dylan was supposed to come on. He, Dylan was supposed to come on. Him, we we had a bit of a rant on our on our little chat, uh, up, like during the game. Poor Dylan was about three or four beers down on the sideline at Amy Park on, uh, on Saturday night when we all started talking, you know, chewing the fat about the fact that not only is it is it just such an it was such an uninspired, disappointing performance from a team that should have a lot of talent and should be at least competing. But this is the fact that this is the Re- the Rebels' mo at the moment. They've been like this for such a long time, um, in terms of just you know underachieving with the with the talent available. Nathan, I know you kind of came stepped up to bat for them for the Rebels a little bit. What's going on here? I think there there's very, very much similarities with the Waratahs last year. I believe. I think you've got a you've got a side which have a very competitive twenty three, but of all of a sudden and. We're only two weeks in and their depth has already been tested. I mean, before they run on the field, they lost, what, Kellaway, Leota, uh, Pone Farmer, Um, I think they're a couple of weeks away. Hosea's, I think, three months. Josh Kemeny, maybe a similar amount of time. You include Jordan, Jordan Luisi, Lockie Anderson, who was, who was the late withdrawal last week. Uh, George Worth, who had a head knock. Like, there's seven quality players already out of the side. Like, you take that out on most sides, they're not going to be – they're probably going to put up similar performances. I think it's just the – it's it, this whole chat came down to, well, what do you do with the Rebels now? Well, like, I think the, the call was to do for a clean-out. Well, this is a new – it's a new director of rugby in Nick Styles. It's a new coach in Kevin Foote. It's a new attacking coach in Ryan Martin. Like, I think we're at the stage where we just have to – I know, you know, we've been saying this has basically been happening for the last 11 years, but you, you have to give them time, in my, in my view. Like, there are some exciting pieces there. Uh, Carter Gordon, if, I think he needs to start more often. Uh, Samadhi Awani, I thought, has been incredible. He's, he looks like an absolute beast. Plus, they've now chucked in um, Lucas Ripley for this week. The the word I hear from him from schoolboy football is he could be sensational. So watch watch him at thirteen this week. But like they've got those young pieces there. You just I think this the Rebels are at the spot where everyone thought the Tars were going to be this year, and now they've overperformed and everyone kind of thinks that well 
they should be at the exact same level when realistically they're in, they're in rebuild mode. Like they're going to have, they're going to have one or two, um, hopefully only the one year or a couple game period that they're going to underperform. But you have to give them time because I, th- I think unlike like previous years, they've got exciting pieces there. It's just uh, going back to talk about the Tars, it's enabling them to take that next step and have that development. They're just, they're just not there yet. And I know it's going to be hard for Rebels fans to, to hear, but they just, it's probably, the suffering's probably going to continue for a bit. But once they, they can completely live up to their potential, I think there's still a good side in this Rebels, in this Rebels squad. Let's agree to disagree. I think, <laughs> of course, I knew that was coming. <laughs> look, I'm sorry. It's uh, look. Uh, so here's the thing. I, I I don't. You never ever want to make things on the on the way of a of a personal attack. This is nothing against the players themselves or the coaching staff or the new GM. Of course, this all takes time. But part of me does think. I mean, Foot has been at the Rebels for a couple of years now. Um, as a as a you know def- as one of the the coaches under Vessels. Um. So part of me thinks, well, come on, you must have a clear sense of the idea and direction that this team was going in. Um, and surely, you know, considering you were part of that structure to build this team up and build it into the squad that you want, you must be relatively cl- much closer. You are, you're from a better starting point than you would be if you were someone, you know, who was brought in out of nowhere to try and turn this squad around. Um, they've just been so flat. They've just been so flat, uh, like, these first two games. I think I can kind of uh, give them the benefit of the doubt with the Reds game because, you know, they were in the competition for a lot of that match until the rain started, and then pretty much no one was scoring anything um, after that point, and they were already more than a converted try behind. That performance against the Rebels, there is uh, against the Force, rather, there is no excuse because... there is a point where you've got to really go. Okay, well, you've got to, there. There is some sort of lack of translation happening uh, in terms of either the coaching or what's going on in the field, or the the development or base that's happening underneath it is really below the standard that it should be. Um, it's. I, I had a chat to Dylan about this. Of course, we during as part of this chat, we had a chat. We we asked him about it because obviously rebels are his team and he wants them to do well. And he kind of made a couple of arguments about it that, first of all, they haven't got a platform the same way that, say, the Reds and the Brumbies do in terms of their actual players that they're developing um, and coming through. And, I mean, you know, unlike, you know, the Reds and the Brumbies that have, you know, got got talent coming through in the heartlands, the, the, the Rebels really haven't got that. They've really got to bring a lot of talent in. Um, but it's – I feel like with a performance like that on the weekend, it's – Considering where they're starting from, uh, we should be seeing them a lot better than that, frankly. Uh, I mean, absolutely. But, I mean, let's let's not sort of ignore the 15 minutes we were talking about beforehand. Like, the the Reds and Force have been been playing great football. Yes, Now, if, if this continues against the Drua, who are another team that which are probably underperformed as compared to expectations, but, like, you know, they're an expansion club. You can, you can accept it. Mm. Then there are probably problems there, and for me, that's the that would that's the alarm bells. If they can't if they can't find a way to beat the Jua, the team they have, I think that's that's all of a sudden you've got to have a real early wake up call before it's too before it's your season's long gone because mm. we're still we're still only two rounds in. Like we're, yes, we are. We are only really two rounds in. This, we this can't, is true. We're gonna overreact to that. That's a natural thing for for football fans to do. 
Like it's it's just in our nature. But like, <laughs> if they can't, I think this game this game has to be a win. Just to He's just asking. to kind of get that get the little wobble that this this season had just back on the straight road and just learn how to win again. Yeah, yeah. It, I I do hope so. I mean, I think there is no excuse. For, for the Rebels this weekend, they have to, they have to win, um, especially against, you know, a side in, in the drawer that's, con- uh, that's conceded 80 points in, in two games. Uh, they have to put on a performance and win. And I reckon, you know, go hell for leather, uh, have it, try and, and, and play a style that leans into, you know, that, that works. Um, just find a way to win more than anything else. Just something positive is what they need. I think, I think that the, Credit to the coaching stuff. Um, this week's team, I think, really leans into that. Again, Ripley, I've already touched on. Carter yeah. Gordon at fullback, I think, is a good good addition. Having that second playmaker alongside Tamura at 10 because you have two pretty big centers. Um, you know, I, bringing Ioni in at eight, Wells to six, I think that just gives you a bit more excitement and a bit more sort of energy to start a game with. You know, you're not bringing him on with 15 minutes to go when your game's done and dusted. Um, yeah, Justin Verdugo on the bench. I, th- I both think of talented players as well. So, like, there's, I think they've, they've got the team this week to do that. Mm. It's just you're going to have a draw side, which is this is going to be their first home game yeah. officially. It's, I mean, they're based in North and New South Wales, which has been going through floods. And, you know, if anyone's listening, has been going through it, where hopefully everyone's still safe and it's not, not too affected. I mean, we, I mean, we saw the photos from Ballymore and that was remarkable to see um <laughs> but, but the whole the whole point behind that is they're going to be they're going to be really up for this crush i think they're going to they've going to recognize that this is going to be one of their outside of probably a moana pacifica matchup i think it's around 11 this is probably going to be one of their big games that they can they feel mm. like if we if we play to our standard we can we can find a way to win so i think yeah. this is this is such a huge game for the rebels this year just to you build that momentum and just kind of you, if you can, if you can do that, you can put the last two weeks behind you. You can put that down to well, to the injuries. You can put that down to just being slow starters. If you lose the lose this game, I think you then all of a sudden have to. You're almost seeing the panic button. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think so as well. And God, if it will be a, it would be certainly a, a big, a big massive question mark if that was the case. And sticking with the draw for the moment, I mean, are we, are we? Can, I mean, they haven't really had the chance to show them to show the flair that I think they we're capable of uh, with their, you know, their first their forty to ten loss to the Waratahs, and then uh, the mauling they got over the weekend uh, in Canberra against the Brumbies. Um, do we just talk this down to the fact that it's early days uh, in in the in in the competition? Uh, they'll get their chance to show their stuff, stuff, or is there anything that you're particularly worried about in terms of the the draw? In terms of are they a standard just below? This suit the, the these other players who have been in the competition for a while. I don't, I don't think there's anything to be too worried about. I think it's just a case of you still got to build those combinations. I mean, comparatively, they were only put together relatively late in the season, so they couldn't attract. I, I was, can't remember when I was reading it, but I know that they were after a couple more sort of high marquee signings, and they couldn't really pull it off from Europe because they couldn't really pull it off with their season starting, and that just didn't line up. But like I think it's one of those things. The combinations will come together over time. You know, you bring Frank Lamardi in, he's going to add get out experience. That's that's yeah. so essential. 
I think also as well, I think what the Drua have have shown is that there is that level between club, or not club rugby, but that, oh, that, when was that third tier of rugby where you're not, you can't just bring 15 guys up. I, th- I think in this starting lineup, they had 14 guys who hadn't played super rugby. Like, sure, they played around the world world and other comps, but these were largely, Jura the largest squad built off players residing in Fiji who were playing their rugby in Fiji who hadn't really had a taste of this level of rugby. So I think it's just, you're exposing it to them and you just, it's going to take time. But you know what? They show, they've showed enough in patches for me, which like if this, they're going to have a couple of losses, you know what? At least it's, at least it's going to be exciting games. I'd much rather have an exciting, exciting team go down forty to thirty than watch it just be a peter. Absolute, yeah. yeah, watch it peter out. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I mean, like, it's the first, it's their first year. It's their first year. They're they're building combinations. They're learning how to, you know, how to compete in this competition. Um, it'll take them time, and I reckon that'll also be the same with Moana Pacifica, even though they have, you know, pulled quite a lot of of really solid talent. Um, in there in the form of, you know, Kepu and Liliafano and equivalent. Um, before we move on to our next question, I, we did touch on it a little bit, but uh, in terms of other thing, the, the last thing we talked about in terms of teams that we were kind of a little bit iffy on, uh, you mentioned the Highlanders um, a little bit. So the, I mentioned oh. that, yeah. The thing with the Highlanders to me is, like, they've they looked competitive against the Chiefs. They've looked, they've looked competitive. I, I just worry about their... their their draw running through, like they they look they've looked competitive in both games, sure, but you look at it, the run for the next six weeks. You have the Hurricanes, who we've already mentioned, impressed against the Blues. The hell out of, hell out of us. The Blues at home, or at, at what will be their a Blues home game, they they'll be ready and firing by then. Moana Pacifica, you know what? You expect them to pretty comfortably beat them, and then you follow that with a Blues. Crusaders once again, finishing with the Hurricanes, and then once we hit Magic Round, or Magic, not Magic Round, the Super Round, they play the Brumbies, arguably the best Australian team. All of a sudden, you start thinking, if they can't beat the Hurricanes this week, and the Blues and, and Crusaders maintain their form, how many wins do they go into that crossover period with? Do they go in? Is there a real possibility they go in with one or two wins, and all of a sudden they're now having to do essentially repeat what they did last year and run the board against uh, uh, the six Australian teams, which we've already mentioned four look a lot four look a lot stronger than what they did last year. Mm. I think it's I think it's one to watch. Yeah, I think they really need a they really need a win against the Hurricanes, or they're having to try and knock off some seriously big teams from the Kiwi side just to sort of alleviate some pressure heading into into yeah. that super round. Yeah, well, what's interested me about the Highlanders in terms of the two games they've done, I mean, the Chiefs are a really good squad. There's no denying that. I think that even though they weren't firing on all cylinders when they won in, in Queenstown uh, against the Highlanders, but what's really concerned me is the Highlanders' kind of ability to close out games. Um, I feel like in a lot of the matches that they've had, they've kind of, particularly against the Crusaders, um, there was a point where, you know, they were in the match until about the 50-minute mark or so, maybe probably, yeah, like the 50 to, you know, 60-minute mark. Uh, and the Crusaders just kicked on. Similarly for, you know, for the Chiefs, even though there were, 
you know, they did manage to get a try from Leonard Brown at the 70th minute, just before the 70th minute. Um, you know, until that point, the Chiefs were very much in the driver's seat for, for the majority of that game. Um, my question is around, you know, can they close out matches is the real question I ask. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, interesting, it's an interesting one to watch. We know that the Highlanders have kind of, you know, there's always a case that, you know, it, it was the Blues in the past where there was one Kiwi team that was slightly off the eight ball from four other teams that are performing extremely well. Um, and, you know, at the moment, I wouldn't I wouldn't obviously write them off as still being an ext- extremely competitive outfit. It's a oh, Kiwi no, no. team. Yeah, like they're, they're still going to be absolutely competitive, but it's just a case of how many wins do they go into that crossover period with and or you start building pressure on yourself anything happens from there. Like they're still, they're still a quality team. Let's, yeah. let's not get it wrong. They still have the ability to beat the hurricanes and the, and this week. And they can certainly have the, the quality of players to upset a crusaders or blues. It's just, you, you don't want to have too much. You don't want to be going. My thing is you don't want to go into those Australians. It's the trans Tasman part of it. Needing five out of six wins or needing to need to be near perfect against Teams that are going to be really motivated to prove a point this year, but you know mm. they're, they're still quality side. It's just it's just one to put on the radar. I think there's one just slightly just kind of it's mm. not slightly falling under people's radars a bit. Just let's just bring a little attention to it. Wonder watch. It's only two rounds in. Oh, yeah, so many rounds to go. I'm, I love it. Um, I realise we've been on this question for half an hour, so let's jump over to question two. <laughs> we had to catch up. We had to catch up. Like we, we we missed the opening round. We've got to be on our best. We've got to we've got to kick on. Mm. Um, so let's talk about this whole spat that's been going on between uh, Checks and uh, and Tim Horn. Can you, Nathan? You obviously you're you're in the uh, in the in the journalist circles. Describe what exa- exactly what happened in terms of this discussion and how it began. I, I think it, it all came down to sort of an overexcited Tim Horan talking about the chan- Chancellor Pasatoa, who's arguably the lead bolter coming out of these first two rounds, being all of a sudden being considered for a worldly squad. And I think Checker took it in the way of, you know, he should, against England, he should line up against Marcus Smith starting 10. But it's and he brought up the idea of, you know, you've got to, we've got to really give these kids time. You've got to, you can't throw them in after four or five good games and then just think, all right, you're now starting for the Wallabies. You're now, you can now match it with the best. And you know what? I, I completely understand both points. I think we, we have had, almost have necessity in the past, throwing kids in. Just and just hope for the best. I mean, the best example of that was Lalesio on Halloween against the All Bucks in Sydney, where they just got absolutely towed up. But I don't see a problem with having kids like. Oh, he's, I mean, he's twenty years old. Like he's still going to develop over over this year. But I don't see a problem with just having someone like him in in the squad. I think as as Aiden put Aiden Payton put it best. You know, you, when Horan's saying Pasatara at 20 should go on an end of year squad, it's a bit like when Czech was coach in 2016 and, and took four apprentices over who were 19, 20, 21, and 22. You know, three of these players were Azai Parisi, Tanya Tupo, Andrew Callaway, the last being Jack Dempsey. So we've already seen that like, by doing, by taking those young kids over in terms of their career, in terms of how far they are in the career, they can really benefit from just being around the squad. And I think that's what, Tim Horan was alluding to, but you know, it's just, 
I think it's just it's just too early to be chucking these these guys into a Wallaby side straight away. They need need that level of competition just to just just more games under the belt and you know to develop more as playmakers in Papatoa's case. But yeah, he's been great and probably done enough to just be on be on in an extended squad, but no further than that. Yeah, look, it's you do make a good point, and I feel like we're going to touch on this a little bit later when we when we touch on this Trans Tasman article that that Wayne Smith wrote because he he does a fantastic comparison uh, of between you know the likes of Richie Mwanga um, and the fact that he you know he was was developed very 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 kind of slowly touch you know quote unquote, um, but he's now closing in on two hundred professional games, um, and then you compare it with Lalesio, who basically had one season, a cut like one or two seasons, um, was then put and and is now suddenly you know making his test debut against the All Blacks. I mean, I do agree with Checker's point that we do have a tendency to rush people in. I just find it slightly ironic that it's coming from him. Um, yeah, there is a bit of irony to it. I mean, I felt there was horrendous irony to it, considering how many debuts he hung, at, he he handed out left, right, and centre, and the fact that so many, you know, that considering how much that Wallaby side was treading water uh, during the latter years of his time as coach. Again, look, we, we made I've made my positions on you know our positions on on Michael Checker pretty clear. The, not nothing. The man is incredibly passionate about rugby, and uh, that is something we advocate, advocate and support. But in terms of player development, it is an interesting one. Maybe he's maybe he's he's, he's saying that upon reflection from his time in the Wallabies. Uh, it's, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree with the point that he makes. I actually think that not only do we do have a little bit of an obsession of this next big ki- this next kid or whatever, but I feel like we're starting to get to a stage where we don't need to throw these kids necessarily into you know. Into the into the into the cauldron of of, of put, putting them at international level and see how they go. I mean, with with Pace Toa, I mean, in, in the in the fly half role or whatever role he, he chooses to be in in the back line, it's important to remember that before him, there's Lalesio, there's you know James O'Connor, there's Ben Donaldson. There is a like there are a lot of exciting fly halves that have had a little, just a little bit more time uh, running around um, Australian rugby right now. But even, um, even someone like Will Harrison. Yeah, even someone like Will Harrison's had has, has just had a little bit more time. That's no, and that's no slouch on on Pesatoa. I mean, what it means is that we are hopefully, particularly in certain positions, starting to have an opportunity to replicate what the Kiwis do in terms of the fact that, you know, Moanga spent several years in Super Rugby. He spent several years in the in the in the NPC comp below that. He spent in the ITM Cup. Uh, he spent, you know played for three years for St. Andrew's College in Christchurch. Um, and, you know, he'd closed in on, you know, quite a few games before he made his debut for the All Blacks. Um, and, you know, at the age of 24, and now he's 27, and he's played, you know, just God knows how many games with them. He's played nearly 200 professional matches. Um, so taking time with your players can lead to better results. They they, they play better and last longer. Um, and, and that's what it comes down to. That, that idea, I mean, you look at, you look at a lot of positions that we have at the moment, and there there is that uh, that growing, just that growing depth. And uh, as you mentioned, I think there's the perfect point of there's no no longer a need to chuck a kid in there and just and hope for the best. Look, I mean, look at number eight. I think if we're looking at breakout Wallabies, Will Harris is up there, and we've already spoke I spoke about him a couple of times. And Anstey's another one we've spoken about. We'd like you don't need it realistically. Valentini's filled in there at a Wallabies level. He can go to six if need be. That's where he plays at the Brumbies. You have Harry Wilson, who's taken another step 
and can, can slot into eight if you want to play Val- if you're okay with playing Valentini at six. Then all of a sudden, you know, the likes of your Anstey's, your Harris's, these type of guys, even even but, I know it's still early in his career, but even someone like you, Tamati Uwani, they can just sit sit back and just develop in Super Rugby. They can yes. play w- work on their craft. Um, it's it's that it's that thing which I which I've always and I, I think a lot of people lost out of leaving your Mick Wrights and these people at home. Who another one who should be really they <laughs> should try and find a way to get him into twenty three, but. These are kids that that came through the system. I've already used the term golden, the golden generation, but they stepped into these roles very easily. They went to a junior wellby scan. They then immediately go to a Super Rugby. For some of them, they went straight into a wellby side. Now that you all of a sudden have this, this almost this blowback and this idea of, well, you're not top anymore. You're second or third. It just that gives them that that bit of, oh, right, okay, I. I can't be complacent. I have to go out and work my skills. Yeah. I have to do this and that. And you know what? You look at you look at Harry Wilson. You look at Fraser McWright, uh, Lachlan Lonigan. These guys that were left at home over that sort of spring to a period. They they look like better players for it. They do. They do. And I think additionally, you need no further examination of you know of the the fact that there is talent developing and giving that and necessarily giving that time to, to develop that talent is not necessarily a bad thing. Then the fact that, I mean, earlier today it was announced that uh, Salakai Loto is going overseas um, and everyone was got, and a couple of people were going, Oh no. Oh my God. We have like, what are we going to do? Like, do we have, who's going to fill in, you know, Salakai Loto's shoes uh, in the lock position, you know, as a wallaby. And then you just, you have to look at this. You just have to look at our squats and you see you've got, you know, you've got your Isaac Rodders, you've got Ryan McCauley, uh, you've got a whole bunch of, uh, of you know, you've got your Matt Phillip, you've got your Trevor Hosier, you've got your Ross Haler-Petty, um, who, you've got your Nick Frost, your Darcy Swain, who may not necessarily have played a lot of international rugby per se, but with the big, the big difference between now and years gone by in the past um, is the fact that they've had a couple of years in super rugby. They've had time to develop their craft a bit more. So when the time comes for them to move to that, to that next stage, they're going to be a much, they're going to be much better for it. It doesn't feel like a stretch if we have to throw them in as well. Like you look at a Wallabies, a a potential Wallabies squad. You think even with the the potential that you could bring a a Sarkar Lotto or a Rory Arnold back in as one of those three players, you have two homegrown locks in Philip and Rodder with – you can have Swain as that replacement and all of a sudden you, there's your three. There's your three in a, in a 23. Yeah. the extended squad, Jed Holloway, I, I think I've already mentioned, settled in the lock perfectly. He's another option as well. Then you have people develop, developing behind them ready to take that next step in you – know, and I know Nick Frost has been rumoured to go, but – yeah. Yeah, you know, Ryan Smith for the Reds has, has been good. He's been he's really looking to cement that spot, and it's gonna be great to see his development. Um, and again, Fergus Lee Warner as well. These players, oh that can, yeah, yeah, can step up. Mm. I, I feel like I'm do- we're doing that a lot, which is actually nice. Is that you all of a sudden you start rattling off these names, and then there's always one you forget and be like, oh yeah, like we can chuck him in. Yeah, we've we been can... talking about Fergus Lee Warner for a while. I think he was like, you know, he was rumoured of being around the squads for a bit, um, which was particularly interesting. Um, Even so, like, Caden Neville. Yeah. He's yeah. More, than, more than capable of stepping up. Yeah. You look at, it's just those really 
I think that's also the thing with this Super Rugby as well. It's those underrated players that just are really stepping into the spotlight. You mm. look at those guys, you look at Jock Campbell's the best example of that. And, and Hamish Stewart, Stewart to an extent as well, but I think Campbell has really stepped up this year. Yeah. And really, see, with a fullback position that's still up for grabs, even though Tom Banks is probably your favourite, You all of a sudden there's there's real depth there. There's mm. Jock Campbell looks like someone who could really come into that position and just make it his own if he was if he was called upon. And that's mm. not even, you know, you've still got young kids. What it does is you still have young kids behind them. You know, someone like a Mac Greeley, who, who's now not pressured to be this next great thing or Jordan Bataille doesn't have to, you know, change his game to become a fullback. You, you, just, you have those pieces where you can be like, you know, if someone goes down injured or there's a, there's, you know, someone goes overseas. That's fine. We've we've got we've got that depth going. So by the time the twenty three mm. World Cup comes, they can just slot in, and we'll, we'll be fine. And if in doubt, we can just call on Will Skelton because that worked out really well last time. <laughs> oh God! I, no, I no. We'll we'll save the the new eligibility laws for another yeah another we do podcast, too, but we do have too much to talk about. Um, let's uh, let yeah. It's, I'm gonna say let's put it this way. If it's not Royana, we're not spending it on a lock. I'll tell you that. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's uh, let's dive straight into Super into Super W rather, um, which kicks off this weekend. Uh, we uh, there's been a couple of trial games that we've seen which have looked really really positive. Uh, I was lucky enough to go down and see uh, a couple of an internal trial for the New South Wales Waratahs women's team. Um, there was also a, a really good trial between the Queensland Reds and the and the Fijiana Drua, uh, which the Fijiana Drua won uh, in a really impressive performance. Um, but this week is round one. Uh, we've got the Western Force uh, hosting the uh, the Queensland Reds. We've got the Melbourne Rebels um, going up for a tough day at the office against the Fijiana uh, Drua, and then we have the Brumbies talking about the New South Wales Waratahs. Now, if they talk to me about this, there's been a you know there's been a lot of talk about uh, exactly what the Super W would look like, and it took a little while for the competition to be unveiled. Um, there's a lot to be excited about in women's rugby this year. There is so much to be excited about. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the competition? Give us a preview. I think it's such a huge year, as you said, and CBW is going to be this perfect platform just to kind of set it up. I mean, I think the the main addition is your Fiji, oh, sorry, Fijiana Drua, who, again, went to that trial game in the Reds and really like laid a platform and laid a statement out. I think they're going to be – that they're going to fall because of the – Men's side haven't probably performed the best. I reckon they're going to fall under a lot of radars, but they're going to be near international side, so they're going to be even be awesome. Um, Waratahs always the team to beat, like there. No Arabella McKenzie for the first three or four weeks, so she um, is with Super Rugby. I'm a picky. I butchered the pronunciation. I know that, but she'll be back. She'll be back for the I think the last round of the finals. Um, again, you have a red side which is going to be looking to really improve and feel like that this is their year to take that next step. Shannon Parry comes back into the 15 aside program as captain. Like that's such a big, big boost to them. Then you look at like you look at your Brumbies and your rebels and your force, these three teams that have kind of always been second place to the, to the big, your Waratahs and Reds. who were just really looking to perform this year. I think that they are starting to build, build that depth and build those connections with a lot of really settled squads that I think it's going to be one of the more competitive years um, for Super, Super W. And you know what? It's going to be 
be really exciting to see the development. And, you know, an interesting development that's going to be coming up is this first Brumbies versus Waratahs game is on free-to-air TV. How yes, it is. Thank God. Yes, please. <laughs> so that so that will be on nine go from five PM on Saturday, leading be perfect leading to Super Rugby Pacific. So get around it. I mean, what a what a perfect way to start this competition is have that match around. I think it's the first time it's been on free to air. Super it's a Super W regular season game. So. Yeah, I can't recall the Super W's been on on freeware before. I know the Wallaroos game, a couple of Wallaroos games have been on free to air. Um, but yeah, I don't think uh, I don't I think this is the first time, which is exciting. And additionally, as well, all the other games are going to be on Stan Sport as well. So if you make sure you if you you get yourself your Stan Sport account for that. Um, but God, this comp looks fantastic. And I think you know, I, I, by recollection, I don't think the Waratahs, the New South Wales Waratahs women's team, are still to lose. They're still to lose a game, I believe. Uh, in, the, in the entire history of the comp. Um, I know Queensland have come close so many times to beating them, and I reckon this year it's going to happen. Um, not only that, but if the, the Fijiana draw, uh, you know, uh, look look as just as good as they have been during the trials, uh, we are in for some really, uh, a really fascinating competition. It's going to be fantastic. Um, and even, just even this serving as a precursor to what's going to be a great year for the Wallaroos. It's going to be a great year for them. You're starting off with the Four Nations. You've got the the Four Nations comp. You've got the news, the, the All Blacks, Bledisloe uh, matches as well. And then we head into uh, a World Cup, which is going to be fantastic. Um, oh, there's, so much to, there's so much to look forward to. Here's a question for you then, I reckon. Um, in terms of... Uh, the makeup of this Wallaroos squad, uh, how important and who do you like, what are the key talking points in terms of potential players uh, for this year? Who's going to have the breakout year in this important year for the Wallaroos in terms of players uh, that we should keep an eye out for, uh, for this super W. It's fascinating. Cause I mean, with that layout layover, sorry, that sort of two year gap between games for them, unfortunately with COVID kind of messing up a lot of plans that were in place. I think there's a lot of players that you're really going to see see shine and try and take that next step. I mean, from a Waratahs perspective, there's so many looking to make their name for them. But someone, you know, like a, a Margaret Valley, Mar- Margot, Va- Margot Valley, sorry, pronunciation is terrible on that one. But again, she's very exciting to watch in the wing. Georgia Fredericks as well, someone like that. It'd be really exciting to see. I mean, there's so many. I think there's a couple. Coming through that rebel side as well, I think they've fallen under. A, a yeah, they have. The rebels, the rebels have been. Uh, yeah, I've, we have. There has been a, a lot of, of players that have kind of really come up in the rebels the last few years. They they did show that, particularly last year, they show they sh- did show that they had, you know, a lot of grit, um, which is you know light years away from from where they were from when the competition started, which is just goes to show how valuable this comp is. Uh, but like, yes, yeah, someone like a Hope Schuster is someone who's re- they've really backing up to have a big year this year. Um, Jay Alta, who was in the Wallaroos uh, pony squad, like another player who has that real potential to take that next step. You know, there's, they've got some really exciting players coming coming through there. So, you know, it's going to be exciting to see, just see how they develop. And plus, you know, your Western Force, I think, have a point to prove as well with the whole... I, I think there was only one or two in that pony, the player of national interest squad. So, or if any at all. So I think you're going to see a lot of players come through that one and just come come through, you know, starting the season off at home, 
it's going to be so exciting to see how they develop and see, you know, if they can take if they can take the next step and ultimately knock off the Waratahs. Yeah, because let's face it, they're, they're the benchmark. The Waratahs. They are. They are the benchmark at the moment, and I think it's uh, if if you do see those teams start to 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 grab those wins, you really know that this comp is is producing the talent that it's set out to do, which is fantastic. Um, so for all of our listeners, by the way, you the first round. Uh, we'll see, the again, as mentioned, the Western Force playing the Queensland Reds, Melbourne Rebels playing the Fijiana Drua, and the Brumbies playing the Waratahs. That game will be on uh, 9 Go. But all the other games will be on Stan Sport as well, so be sure to get around them. Even more rugby. No complaints from me at all. Um, let's dive into our penultimate question of the week, of the game, of the, uh, of the podcast, rather. Um, so... There was an article that came out in the Sydney Morning Herald. I'll link to it in the description from Wayne Smith, which basically predicts that uh, Australian rugby is set for a tough couple of weeks uh, against the, uh, you know, against uh, against the Kiwi teams. And a big factor in that is the fact that, you know, as we mentioned in the previous podcast that we have, and we can't seem to escape from it, the lack of a third tier competition is set to really hurt. Australian uh, the Australian sides and particularly the and is a, likely a very contributing factor to the unbalanced Bledisloe scores of late um, and uh, a lot of people have, have have kind of had a talk and discuss about this but what was particularly of note uh, it's uh, th- there is by all accounts uh, plans to have uh, you know some sort of competition uh, be uh, be underway soon. But by the sounds of it, then the last couple of paragraphs is really what got my goat, is that apparently Andy Marinos is planning on doing a competition like an Australian club competition, mainly based around the Sydney and Brisbane clubs. Cue a rant from me. <laughs> um, basically, I, I mean, we, we've had a lot of discussions about this. We Pretty much every second podcast we talk about this, uh, this topic, but uh, we, there has been a lot of debate around whether a club competition with the focus on you know, your, your Queensland teams and your new, this, your strong New South Wales teams actually will work. Um, and I made the argument in this selection of tweets, first of all, that I think for it's not, first of all, fair to put this on a club, on the club system. Uh, and, you know, will it create, I think it'll create a lot of imbalance in those club competitions. Um, and additionally, may, may see players funneled into those teams that, you know, are at the top of the ladder. Um, but then I even asked the question around, would people actually be interested? You know, would, would Queenslanders be interested in games in New South Wales? Is that tribalism argument even valuable? And does it actually help the development of local depth in Melbourne and Perth? Um, Natho, I know that, we, you know, I, I, can, I can feel both you and Jack's eyes rolling whenever we talk about this topic because it's the topic I will not shut up about. I feel like the, the tinfoil hat conspiracist. Um, but what are your thoughts on this? Uh, can you give me an insight? Or do, you, do you know what Andy's been saying uh, at, the, at the cool, <laughs> at the drink fountain in uh, Rusty HQ? <laughs> it's, a, it's a staple of this podcast, isn't it? I feel like every three episodes we've got to bring it up. <laughs> um, uh, to be honest, I haven't heard any chat that, like, that's... I very much keep myself out of those conversations, to be honest. But looking at that and looking at what he sort of said to Wayne Smith, like I can see the point he's trying to make. Realistically, when you start looking at third tier comp, what didn't what didn't work last um, last time around was let's face it, outside of the real rugby diehard, no one no no one cared about the teams. Like, it was great for development. It's just and I've spoken to a couple of club guys in Sydney, and they they agreed. It was just like why do, why should we and why should our sort of members get behind it 
if like it has no identity or no connection to our our grassroots, our club rugby. So I think that's that's kind of where that sentiment of keeping a club championship of sort coming coming through will help. I just don't know how that works in principle. How do you do you all of a sudden then give all any Wallaby that's available or any of these like fringe guys to just eight or ten club teams? That is, as you said, is that really feasible? I think the best the best idea that came out of that sort of your the little little rant you went on was that idea of essentially making Super Rugby AU the third tier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great idea. I honestly do make a make the actual teams you know do a, a five or six team comp that runs perpendicular to the rugby championship with established brands based on the five Super Rugby franchises. Um. You only have to go to trial matches to see that the 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 brand recognition they get. Um, you know, there was a good two three thousand at the at the trial game with between the Brumbies and the Tars in Barrel. Um, imagine, you know, I reckon there's an argument for for a competition like that. Um, yeah, lots. Of- I think I think it solves a lot of. Not doesn't solve a lot of issues, but it can tick a lot of boxes in the sense of that Barrel game's a perfect example. If you had New South Wales or New South Wales basically base themselves out of other barrel or they go to country New South Wales. Brumbies, I know they, they want that the they consider themselves a Southern Highland team. So if they can maybe barrels the kind of the cutoff for them, but like if they can take games across that area, you know, the Rebels take games out to I know they've played games at Mars State Mars Stadium before, but if they build a base even at someone like Endeavour, you know, or even further into Victoria, maybe at Ballarat. Queensland go up to Townsville or Sunshine Coast where they're playing a game this week. Uh, well, sorry, the Rebels and Drew are playing a game this week. And you take WA. Well, I mean, WA are mad as they, as they are for... They've got the, the library. They've got the, uh, they've, got, they've got the hill. So like, like they can... They've got the NRC. They've got the hill uh, where, the, where, the, Perth, where the, uh, the, West, the Perth Spirit and the Western Force used to play. Um, yeah, you, you get 6,000 a game. Yeah. You bring that back and you can, all, you can then get that real connection you can have these people you know go out to country rugby or get the grassroots out there or areas that might not get it and i think the best point that's that's ever been made or keeps being made is from the reds when they say they they keep they want to be the queensland reds instead of the brisbane reds mm. you know they they wanted they this reds to region has been so successful for them but it's a case of you know it's all great to do that stuff but I think they're playing all their home games at Suncorp this year. You know what? Yeah. That's fair enough. I can completely understand it. But you saw how the crowd got behind them in Townsville when they're playing the Chiefs. Mm. You really, this is a way to actually make these teams what they are. And yes, I know it's a little problematic for a Brumby side, which want to consider them more than the more than it being just the ACT. But you can make it work. Yeah, you can. You can really, you can really expand what the borders of these teams are without just being kind of city centers. And you know what? It gives you that little bit extra that maybe, you know, an NRL or an AFL or a A-League team are doing by galvanizing a whole population and not, not just having one-off games, having more like three to four games in these areas and really building that connection. Yeah. I mean, and not only that, but you see that this has worked elsewhere. I mean, you, you, like one of the points that came up in this discussion was um, the fact that uh, that even in New Zealand and South Africa, they do this. 
Um, you've got the facts that, like, you know, the fact that the Canterbury team plays in the same colours as the Crusaders, um, or the fact that the Waikato team does something similar with the Chiefs. Uh, and even in, you know, in in the Curry Cup team, you've got the fact that there are teams that literally share the same name with their with their equivalent, you know, uh, Pro 14 teams or ex-Super Rugby team franchises. This is a something that is done often and, as uh, you know, it, it, particularly with, within other Southern Hemisphere nations and is a is a solution. But going, I feel like we're, you know, it, while we think this is a reasonable solution, um, the question around a club competition, first of all, do we think it'll work? Um, like in, if it is the, if this is the model that it's, that it sounds like they might be going with, um, or do you think it's a bit of, or do you reckon it's a case that it's going to make things worse chatting with Dylan? Cause Dylan was the, was the person who kind of shared this article. Um, he kind of mentioned that he'd had a, had a, a chat, uh, with Baden Stevenson, um, at the rebels. And he basically mentioned, but he asked him the question, why are there no, Rebel Super Rugby players in in the dual in the in the local comp in the Dewar Shield, um, and he basically said that it's not even sure if it's even talked about this, but under kind of the Rupert Agreement, clubs can't actually tell players which rug club to play for. So the Rebels and Victorian Rugby will likely make their players go to New South Wales or Queensland to play um, to keep their level of standard up. So the local club competition doesn't actually benefit. Um, and it, it so basically, it, it, if you were to have a club competition like this, it further cuts off those local club comps like the the Dewar Shield or the, the the Premier Grade in WA or the John One Dent Cup in in Canberra, which is where you actually want the game to be growing as well. Um, it has. So, that, I, I don't think it cut off the Canberra comp. I think the Canberra Canberra comp's fine in terms of they've got that real connection between the Brumbies. Yeah, they do. I I do agree, but from a Rebels point of view, like you look at look at Carter Gordon, where does he? Where does he play his Premier Rugby? Mm. Answer the question in the Premier Rugby in Queensland. Yeah, Where he does. does. You look at, you know, Mason Gordon coming up. Both of them play for Wests. You look yeah. at, uh, I think Wells is, I'm oh, sorry, Philip is the Sydney Uni boy. Uh, Rob Liotta's featured for Gordon in the past. Uh, Wells mm. is the North boy. Like you, and that's, it comes back to that argument of, well, you don't have the same level of base in Melbourne as you do in Sydney or Brisbane. And the reality is, if like these guys will go back to those clubs, and sort of going back to will it, will it work in pro? In, I I just don't think I just don't see how it does. I think it we're also at a stage as well where you look at a a Waratahs team where you know there's there's now such a variety in sort of players that yes, you, you can kind of probably get away with five or six competitive shoot shield clubs, but like realistically, what what happens to those guys based in Perth? What happens yeah. to us who are like rude to the ground Perth guys? Not your Tim Anstey's who have you know come over from Eastwood. It's just I feel like you then all of a sudden have to then make concessions to make it work. And way I would say it is, is you'd have a realistically a Queensland, a Queensland Sydney and Canberra comp, and then but then you then you're left with WA and Victoria and you can't. Once you start bringing those teams in, oh, run, sorry, bringing these people in, and it's not kind of a genuine fit. Yeah, I think then you all of a sudden then lose that connect connection, and then we're back at square one with a mm. comp that doesn't, a third tier comp that doesn't connect. Because let's face it, if you have someone who who bases themselves 
out at Fremantle playing for Randwick. Like, who gives a shit? Where, where, where's the connection? Yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> it's, it's the same problem. And I, yeah, yeah. I just, it's just one of those things where I think it, it works in principle. I just don't know how it works practically. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there are so many questions I have about this comp, uh, this idea of, of a club comp. I mean, that's not me outright saying I completely reject it. I mean, if, at the end of the day, if, if some, they were somehow to, to find a way to make it work, um, then I will eat all my wor- all, I'll eat all my words, of course, because I want Australian rugby to do well. But I have so many questions and I don't, from what I can see, I don't see how this comp is going to work in its current format. At the very least, you'd, you'd expect those, you know, shoot, shoot shield teams and Queensland teams, you know, that have to go up beyond some sort of level of semi-professional that they are now. And, and then that brings up a whole other question of will that, piss off a whole bunch of folks in the shoot shield in those comps will they be getting away from their traditional roots as a, as a comp so many questions but uh, if you want to check out the rant and also the article i will also link it uh, in the description so you can have a you can check it out for yourself have a chat um leave a comment i always respond in regards to this debate um but build this engagement up while you're there okay. yeah build up my engagement give me a like follow you know do all the, the do all i know all about this social media world <laughs> <laughs> I'm only doing it. I'm only doing it for clout. I'm only. I'm, I'm a clout searcher. That's all I am. Um, but yeah, no. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, this, this is what it's all been about. This is why you put this question in. This is the reason why I put the question in. Even this is, Even this is the I reason why I founded. This is the reason why I founded the drop kickoff. It's all about clout. That's what it is. That's all it is. This is the world we live in. No, I kid. Um, but yeah, uh, if you have any questions, drop them in. Let me know. Um, Let's jump into the final question of the week. Uh, let's talk about predictions for this upcoming weekend. We'll, t- we'll first of all talk uh, the Super W, uh, the opening round, um, and then we'll talk Super Rugby. Uh, first up, uh, we've got the Force versus the Reds. Let's do it. Let's, we've got, yeah, as mentioned, Force versus Reds, Rebels versus Drua, and uh, Brumbies versus the Tars. Natho, who are your picks for the first round of the Super W? Oh, uh, I think Reds to be too strong against the Force. I think they've they've got a really nice squad. I think they'll be kind of looking to prove a point after the um, preseason loss to the Drua. Uh, Drua to beat the Rebels. I think it'll be close. It'll be close, but I think there's a lot of experience in that that Drua side, international experience, which just might be too much for a Rebel side, which is still trying to sort of go from being contending to learning how to kind of finish off games. And the, the Waratahs do do Waratahs thing in Super W. They 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 win, so that's not going to change on Saturday. Yeah, nailed it. I've got no notes from my end. Completely agree with everything you say. Although I will say to anyone, if any people like whether it be coaching staff or players on the Force Rebels or Brumbies teams that are listening, please, if you get the win, if you get a win over these guys, that will make my weekend. That will make my weekend. It will be amazing. Um, yeah, I think as well. Reds, Drua. Tars, they're my predictions as well. Um, Super Rugby, the uh, we have going to be a very interesting round uh, coming in. We've got finally Moana Pacifica going off against the Crusaders. The Drua are heading up to the Sunshine Coast following the cancellation or the, the movement from from uh, from Suncorp Stadium due to it being a little bit wet in Brisbane. Uh, the Melbourne Fort, the sorry, the, the Western Force rather. Oh God, I might get in trouble for that. For that. Oh no, I might get in trouble for You're that. Cancelled, cancelled WA. There's going to be a border closure. It's just going to be your face just being like, no, nah, I'm nowhere out here. 
the Western Force, rather, are finally back in front of the Sea of Blue uh, in Perth, playing the Queensland Reds. God, that game sounds amazing. The Blues will be taking on the Chiefs. Hurricanes will be playing the Highlanders at the Cake Tin. And last of all, the the, the rivalry of all rivalries, the Brumbies up against the Waratahs in Canberra. Natho, give us your picks. Uh, Crusaders by... Um, take take your pick. I think that <laughs> realistically, like they've they've wrestled a lot of players, so they're probably closer than people think. But it's, I still I still don't like looking at how the Drew have played. Considering Pacifica, I've come out of like what essentially two weeks of COVID interrupted practice. This could be fifty, and you know I'll, I'll say I reckon it's going to be fifty. Uh, Rebels get it done, but probably closer than what than what people expect. I. I I've caught right now because I'm so high of a kid. I reckon Lucas Ripley is going to be the name that comes out that people talk about from this game. Um, or the Reds, beat, the Reds and the Force, that's such a close game. It is. It's a great one. It's a there's, great so, one. there's so many people out for the Reds. And you have a Force team that's firing. Um, you know, The Reds just find a way to win. I, I, I say this with no confidence at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, but I reckon the Reds, Reds get it. Um, yeah, Blues beat the Chiefs. They're not gonna. They'll be out to prove a point this week, and with the potential for Bowden Barrett to come on the bench potentially, I think he's still having to pass some concussion stuff, and that team's gonna be confirmed. Um, I think they'll be too good. Likewise with the Hurricanes, I think they have a good good side this year, and the Highlanders go 0-3, and yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know it's coming. Very carefully. Pick your answer carefully on this one. <laughs> uh, God, do I? What I listen to here? Uh, <laughs> nah, I listen, I listen too much to my head. The Waratahs win by three. Oh, tut, 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 tut. I just, I'm disappointed in you. I just, I, but like, real, being serious, I, I think the Brumbies haven't performed up to their best yet. I think the Waratahs will take a lot out of that Reds, Reds game, and this will be the sort of, this, I think this will work for both sides. A Waratahs win kickstarts their season well, kicks the Brumbies into gear to really just go, all right, we're now – we're no longer peaking in May, but, you know, this is where we go, all right, we're, we're playing this game, are we? Let's let's get out of first gear and let's go. So, mm. But I think, I think the Waratahs find a way to win. Let's agree to disagree on that one. Um, for for me, definitely Crusaders. I reckon it's going to be you know fifty points. No no slouch on Moana Pacifica. Just the fact that if you're going to have a first game, this is a rough way to have your first game um, to play against you know the best side in the comp, arguably uh, in terms of just history. Um, Rebels Drua. I expect. I dem- no. I don't expect. I demand a Rebels win. Um, because God help them if the draw win, uh, they'll be in serious trouble uh, in terms of just everything if they don't pull out a win out of here. Um, hope, I do hope for a very uh, improved performance from the draw because they are. You can see they're capable of much better. Force Reds, I disagree with you. I reckon the Force are going to win. I reckon the Force are going to beat the Reds in in Perth. They did it last time they were there um, in in WA, and you know, frankly. The Sea of Blue have shown that they can really get in the, they can really be the wind in the force's sails. And I think they're going to have a sellout crowd at, at, uh, at HBF Park in Perth and they are going to beat the Reds. It's going to be a bloody close one because this Red side is a very good, but I predict a force victory by two. 
Um, Blues Chiefs, again, agree with you, Blues. Hurricanes as well. And uh, I reckon the Brumbies will take it home against the Shock. Brumbies will take it home. It's tar week. It's tar week. We're doing it. The boys will get up. Let's go. It's called Saleh for us. We don't really mind. <laughs> nah, it's I, it's generally one of the great rivalries, and you know, I, I, those two games in the Australian, or even those three games in the Australian side, I think are genuine, genuine coin tosses. So you know what? It's it's going to be exciting to watch. It's the right problem to have. It's yeah, the yeah. right problem to have. Yeah, but that have. plus plus Super W starting like it's just a great week. It's a great weekend. Right off the weekend, get your be- get get a couple of beers or non-alcoholic beverages, whatever you're fancy, and just sit down on, on the couch or go to a game. Rather, games are good. Go to a game; they're a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of the podcast for this week. Thank you, Natho, as always. We'll likely be back uh, in a in a week or two. We do have a I do have some podcasts planned in the pipeline just for outside of you know regular discussions. We are planning an, an interview or two as well. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll check in we'll uh, we'll check in in a few weeks with the rest of the boys and t- and see how we go uh, with the rest of the season. Um, but thank you, Nathan. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. It's always great to be talking rugby. You know, it's an exciting time to be doing it. It certainly is. It certainly is. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners for checking in. And uh, we'll catch you the next time around. Well, what did go wrong? I have to look look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo. Very good, very good. Welcome to the Dropped Kickoff for another week. My name is Nick Wasiliev, and it is... I'm going to do that again because I mispronounced my own name. <laughs> yeah, my name is Wick Nasiliev. Wick Wasiliev. <laughs> That's going in the bloopers at the end. <laughs>